Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the U.S. consumer as we will dive into the recent launch of the U.S. consumer discretionary sector from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Joining me here in studio for the conversation, glad to welcome lead sector analyst Sonny Mara. Sonny, it's great to have you here in UBS studios. Congratulations on the sector launch and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dan. So, Sonny, as a good starting point, it might be helpful if you walk our advisors, our clients through the launch itself. You launched with a neutral view. So can you take a few moments to walk us through the thesis behind your sector view at the moment? Sure, Dan. So let me start. It is a neutral view, but fundamentally, we're very constructive on the U.S. consumer. And if I were to say, it seems like we're more constructive than a lot of the the commentary out there that may be a little bit more doom and gloom. So let me start with a few points. First, unemployment remains very low, while job openings are at 1.6 jobs open for every unemployed worker, above the pre-pandemic average of 1.2 times. Household debt-to-income is below average. Debt-service ratios are extremely low, basically at 40-year lows, given that the majority of household debt is locked in at a fixed low-rate mortgage. Um, you know, a lot of people focus on the liability side, but the asset side is what's really exploded in the past decade. Household wealth has doubled in the past decade. Now, this is net of all debt, net of mortgage debt, student car, student loan debt, credit card debt, et cetera. Home prices are up 40% since pre-COVID levels, and that's created about $10 trillion of wealth in the short period. And home ownership is much broader than equity ownership. So that has benefited people throughout the income cohorts. Excess savings have been coming down, but are still nicely positive and should last at least through 2023 and into 2024. And then recently... We've had real wage growth, and that's moved positive after being negative for almost two years. So that should support continued spending from the consumer. And then within the wage growth, if you look at it, the lower income wages are growing faster than the higher income wages. So that should continue to support spending as well as the lower income people have more propensity to to spend versus the higher income cohorts. So overall, I'd say consumers are healthy. And within consumer spending, services spending has been relatively strong versus goods. And we think that should continue relative to goods which had a big benefit during COVID. I want to make two points on services. Services spending is less rate dependent. So as rates move up, you have less of an impact on, you know, if you go for a restaurant meal or getting a haircut or whatever, that's not directly tied to rates versus some of the goods sector is. Second, it's more labor intensive. So that restaurant meal or haircut can't be outsourced. You know, it's made here in the U.S. with with labor here. If it's not a good that is made overseas and shipped to you. So to the extent services spending remains strong, it also makes the Fed's job harder, frankly, in terms of trying to slow the labor market. Sonny, those are helpful clarifications, and thank you for providing us with an overview of your current thinking. I'm curious from hearing about your thesis and consideration of the health of the U.S. consumer, why are you not more positive on the group currently? Good question, Dan. So this really comes down to the composition of the sector when you break down the consumer discretionary sector within the S&P 500. Two points here. First is that goods versus services mix. So when you look at services, it's about two-thirds of consumer spending in the real economy in the U.S. versus in the sector, it's about a 20% weight. Um, And we think services spending will continue to grow faster than goods spending. Um, as we normalize post-pandemic, J- just think of many of the services you use, your favorite local bar or restaurant, your barber hair salon, your dry cleaner, your spa, the, your dentist. Those are, for the most part, not captured in the S&P 500. However, for goods, think about where you shop. If you order from Amazon, 
Home Depot, you know, et cetera, those are captured within the S&P 500. So there's this big disconnect on kind of the real economy versus what's captured in the index. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a big thing. And, and the second thing, which I'll just mention, there's a heavy weighting with two names within the sector combined for about roughly 45% of the total sector as a whole. What would you cite, Sonny, as being the notable risks to your thesis that investors need to be mindful of listening in? Sure. I'll talk about risk to the upside and talk about risk to the downside. So let's start with the risk to the upside. Um, the risk to the upside is basically everything works at the same time and the good sector rebounds very nicely as because as we discussed, the sector is more heavily tilted towards goods. So the economy remains strong, services remain strong, but on top of that, goods start rebounding nicely. The risk to the downside is consumer spending slows down a decent amount. So maybe job losses start to creep up. So that's higher claims you see, higher unemployment. And within that, then services spend starts to move down. And maybe that's because the saving rates starts to move up as well because there's increased uncertainty and so forth. Um, And I'll just mention, you know, the two big names, again, are big big sector weights. So if there's anything to happen with those two names as well, that would be a risk to the downside. So maybe, Sonny, as we close out, let's spend a few moments on sector positioning. Can you speak a bit to your most preferred subsectors within the group? Sure. Um, I'll start with services. You know, as discussed, we like that services spend versus goods. And even just from a bottoms-up perspective, we found five stocks within this subsector that we like, and that's why we rate it most preferred. There's, We have the most most preferreds within this subsector within consumer. And the second is retail. We cover seven stocks within retail. We're most preferred on two. And the other two subsectors we're neutral on, which is durables and apparel as one and autos as the other. And we're neutral on both of those. Well, Sonny, thank you very much for dropping by top of the morning. It was great meeting you and having you here on the podcast. I'm sure the first of many conversations. So thank you again for spending some time with our advisors, our clients, and looking forward to having you back. Thanks a lot, Dan. Absolutely. And again, we have been joined by Sonny Mera, lead analyst for the U.S. Consumer Discretionary Sector with the UBS Chief Investment Office. I will point out to our clients listening in, if you are interested in receiving a direct copy of Sunny's coverage launch piece on the U.S. consumer discretionary sector, please reach out to your UBS financial advisor to receive a copy of that publication directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.